This is the One Thing Podcast, where we teach you the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. My name's Jeff Woods. I'm the vice president here at the One Thing Team. In the last episode, we talked about forming powerful relationships and overcoming the limiting beliefs stopping you with Steve Sims. That interview was all about how do you surround yourself with people who are light years ahead of you and bring value to them. This episode, we're carrying down the relationship theme about once you're in relationship with them, why you're harming your most valuable relationships. Here's what's interesting. Uh, In the book, Gary and Jay talk about on page 114, the seven circles, the seven most important areas of your life, spirituality, physical health, personal, relationships, job, business, finances. Many of us set goals around our job, our business, our finances. Even some of us set it around health and bring real accountability to it. Uh, What's interesting about the first three, job, business, and finances, is that they're a rubber ball. If you drop that ball, it will bounce back. However, when you look at your spirituality, when you look at your physical health, your personal life, your relationships, those are glass balls. If you drop the relationship ball, it shatters. What's interesting is that every single one of us has at least one person that really matters to us. And many of us are doing one thing that is really harming that relationship. Today, we have a conversation with Lewis Howes, who's a New York Times bestselling author, and he just had his new book, The Mask of Masculinity, come out, which um, don't think this is just for the men out there. This has just as much to do with you ladies as it does for the men, because it really is going to walk us through why you are harming your most valuable relationships and the one thing you can do to turn it all around. This was recorded as a part of our One Thing webinar series, which every single month we feature a best-selling author. If you go to the onething.com slash webinar, and that's with the number one in the URL, we've got some amazing authors lined up in the upcoming months. So go to the onething.com slash webinar. You can see all the past ones and see the ones that are going to be coming up next. With that, let's get into this conversation with Lewis Howes. Eating healthy is an investment. It's an investment in yourself, but it also often requires an investment of your time. But good news is Factor has delicious ready-to-eat meals that are ever fresh and never frozen. They're chef-created, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With Factor, you can choose from a weekly menu of up to 35 options, including popular things like Calorie Smart or Keto Direction or Protein Plus or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover 60 more add-ons every week like Breakfast on the Go, lunch, snacks, beverages to help you stay fueled, feel good all day. And we know our listeners here at The One Thing are focused on health and health goals. That's why we choose to partner with Factor. And if you visit factormeals.com slash 150 and use code 150, you can get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Again, that's factormeals.com slash ONE50 and use code ONE50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month.
Welcome to our webinar today with Lewis Howes on how to have more meaningful relationships with your loved ones. Uh, this was inspired because we heard that Lewis was coming out with his second book, his first one, School of Greatness, was a New York Times bestseller. And uh, he's gone on a really interesting road of not just achieving success in his business life, but realizing that every single one of us, we have these, um, these masks or these stories that we tell ourselves that really hold us back from achieving extraordinary results. And in particular, when it comes to relationships, which as we know, is one of the seven circles. So we were very excited to reach out to Lewis and just say, hey man, is there a way we can share you with our audience and uh, help people take steps toward having more meaningful relationships with the people who matter most to them? That's gonna be the topic of our conversation for the next hour. Here's why we're having this conversation. Gary and Jay, when they wrote the book, they sat down and asked the question, what are the areas of our life that matter most? And these are what they call the seven circles. They would argue these are the seven most important areas of your life. Starting at the top, you've got your spiritual life because every single one of us at some point is going to wake up and ask, why are we here? Then you have your physical health because if you don't take care of your body, where are you gonna live? You've got your personal life, the things you do for yourself, your hobbies. You've got your relationships whether it be your, your family, your children, it could be your business partners, mentors, all the people, all the relationships that matter most to you. Then you have your job, your business, and your finances. And in any single one of these areas, you get to apply the focusing question, which is at the center. What's the one thing I can do for my relationships? Such that by doing it, everything else is easier or unnecessary. I think one of the biggest misunderstandings is the idea that we all have more than one thing. There isn't just one thing. There's one thing for your spiritual life. There's one thing for your physical health. There's one thing for your personal life. And in the topic of conversation today, when it comes to your relationships, what's the one thing you can do for your relationships such that by doing it, everything else will be easier or unnecessary? And that's really where our man Lewis Howes comes in today because I think you're really going to resonate with his story. Um, a lot of us set these extraordinary goals when it comes to our business and when we make progress there, a lot of people get to the top of the mountain and realize that it's empty. And I think you're going to hear um, what happens in that moment and, and how you don't have to make the same mistakes that so many of us have already made. So with that, Lewis, thank you very much for being here, my man. Thanks for having me, brother. And I good good to see everyone in here. Megan Jones and Robert Melhorn and Dee Murdoch and uh, Deidre and Connie and Linda and Renee and Stephanie and Blair. Good to see you guys. Claire, Jessica, Scott, you guys are all amazing. I appreciate you guys showing up. Awesome. Awesome. So, Lewis, for people who do not know you, why don't you give the overview of how you ended up where you are today and where the idea of the Mask of Masculinity came from? I used to play professional football 10 years ago. It was actually 10 years ago in August this year when I got injured and had to have a surgery. Uh, so I was in a cast for six months and then living on my sister's couch for the next year and a half while I was contemplating what is my life was all about. I needed to figure out the one thing back then that could help me because everything was in breakdown. I didn't have any money. I didn't have a job. I didn't know how to get a job. This was in 2008 when the recession was bad. I didn't have a college degree yet, so I thought, you know, why are people going to hire me without a college degree? And uh, I didn't have any good relationships. I, I mean, I was just kind of all over the place. My father just went through a really bad accident. He was in a coma for three months during this time, so I didn't have my father's mentorship or financial support or emotional support during this time. 
and I really just kind of was like, well, what am I, what am I here for? What am I supposed to do? And now that my dream is over, what's next? I had to rediscover who I am, reinvent my identity again, shed things of the past, and move on. And I started taking a lot of action online. I was sitting on my sister's couch with my laptop most of the days because I just got bored watching TV. And I started getting active on LinkedIn early on, 10 years ago. A couple mentors were like, why don't you check out LinkedIn? I heard you can get jobs through there. Again, this is before a lot of people were on it. And started actively using LinkedIn to build relationships. As you know, the key to success in, in your guys' business is relationships. And the key to successful relationships is vulnerability, in my mind, is, mm. is really caring and giving and revealing yourself to those individuals, whether it's intimate relationships, business relationships. No one wants to be around someone who is perfect all the time or who never opens up. It's those that actually are willing to reveal themselves and some insecurities, some flaws, some fears, some doubts. That's the people we connect with and can relate to the most. The person who's got it all figured out all the time, has never has any challenges, is always positive 24-7, is the one that's hard to relate to because it's not realistic in our minds. And I'm not saying you need to be crying every single day to open up. What I am saying <laughs> is just like a level of authenticity that um, I think sometimes in the professional business space or the professional networking space is missed because it's very transactional, very, oh, here's my card. Like, I need a sale right now, so how can you help me with the sale? How can you help me in my business? Where I learned quickly that that didn't work. When I was connecting with people online, I would ask them for advice. I would say, hey, I need help. I need a job. I need help. Can you meet with me? I need some advice. And these business leaders in Columbus, Ohio at the time when I was there, they were like non-responsive or just like, no, I don't have time for you. As this like 24-year-old punk and uh, who had nothing to offer for them. I didn't have anything to offer. And so I started emailing people in a different way. And I started researching them and figuring out the trajectory of their success by reading their LinkedIn profile, researching them online, finding out the company they built, reading the mission behind their company, all these other things. And I started emailing them differently. And all of a sudden, almost everyone would reply back and say, yes, I would love to meet with you or jump on the phone with you. And I was like, huh, okay, there's something to this different approach. And the approach I had was simply not asking for advice, not asking for help, not asking for introductions, not asking for anything. Instead, simply saying, I'm so inspired by what you've created. I'd love to learn and hear the story about this one moment when you went from here to here. Are you open to sharing with me? Because it's fascinating. Everyone wants to share their story and talk about how they became successful. No one wants to just take 10 minutes to meet for coffee and give advice because they get that all the time if they're a successful business leader. And I would also find other things that made it meaningful to them. I would find other ways to connect with them that were meaningful, that I could find was meaningful to them. And then all of a sudden I started connecting with all these individuals and then other people said, hey, I see that you have all these connections on LinkedIn. Can you help me on my LinkedIn profile? So I started helping friends for free, and then one guy started paying me. He was like, this is going to change my business. Here's 100 bucks." And I was like, you're going to pay me for this? And so then I started a business out of helping people on LinkedIn, just like build relationships, 
you know, generate quality leads, connect with people, optimize their profile. From there, I just continued the progression of leaning into the thing that was working. And um, my one thing ended up being events and then ended up being webinars afterwards. I was just like, well, what's the one thing that's going to help me make more money and get off my sister's couch? I was doing events and I was running around the country hustling, putting together these events all over the place, making a couple grand a month. And then I did a webinar and everything changed for me. Eight years ago or, yeah, eight or nine years ago I did a webinar and I said I'm going to do this every single day if I can. I made $6,200 in that first webinar. It was more than I made in like months from these events. And I was like, this is the thing. So let me go all in on this thing and optimize it. And that's what I've been doing for about eight years. And so I started building other programs and courses that I would be selling on webinars. And then um, I sold that business, started five years ago, almost five years ago, the School of Greatness. Because I realized the thing I really wanted to do the most was not teach people about LinkedIn and social media. You know, I really could care less after a few years of teaching it. But I loved interviewing people. I loved meeting yeah. these people that I was doing already at first on LinkedIn and just having these conversations with them at the coffee shop and just fascinated about their story. And I said, I want to go back to doing that because I, I believe if people were able to hear what I'm hearing, it would be so helpful for them. So I started the School of Greatness podcast five years ago. And Everything's kind of just taken off because of that. That's the foundation. I wrote a book, like you mentioned, and I just come out with another book and do events and everything else around it. But the, the podcast is kind of the main, the foundation for, for all things. So real quick, I want to acknowledge one thing because we have a, a good majority of our audience is actually women. And so when I mentioned the title, The Mask of Masculinity, for the people, for the females who are here, why does this topic matter to them? Yeah, it's, I mean, actually more women are actually diving into this topic than, than men are because I think women get it right away. They're like, yes. I mean, for the women on here, just type in. No one else can see your answers, by the way. Only, only we can. So just type in, yes, if you've ever been sexually harassed in any way. You know, we don't have to go into how deep it is, but just in any way you've ever been sexually harassed by a man or if you felt worried or fearful by being around men, maybe some of you have gone through domestic violence or domestic abuse. How many of you feel offended by the political dis-ease? You know, whether you're Republican, Democrat is irrelevant. I don't want to get into that, but just the, the constant um, animosity and the language that's used uh, in politics currently. And how many of you feel offended by the racial marches in Charlottesville? How many of you feel like it's a horrible thing that every single week we see a new shooting or new killing in America at a church, in New York City, in Vegas? And what is the common denominator of all of these instances? The common denominator is that they're all men. All of these instances that we hear about in the media just in the last few months alone that are horrifying is of men that don't know how to emotionally express themselves in healthier forms. <laughs> Their form of expression is anger, rage, hitting someone, screaming at someone, shooting someone, and then shooting themselves because they don't know how to communicate the feelings, the anger, the frustrations. Almost 50%, it's about 45% of men said that they don't have one guy friend that they can share their fears and insecurities with or just talk to about anything. They don't feel comfortable with one guy friend in their life. 
Now, as women, and I've been going around the country talking about this, so I, it's been fun to see the responses of when, and people in the room. Of the women who are, who are watching this or listening right now, how many of you women get together every single day with a group of girlfriends and talk about the challenge in your relationship, the, the concerns at work you have, the insecurities about your body image, the family challenges you're going through, whatever it may be, how many of you get together every single day or at least once a week and you come together over coffee, over tea, over you call each other on, on voice chat, whatever it is, you're talking constantly, you're expressing these things. And what's the thing that, and I'm saying yes, of course, of yes, yes, yes. Which, by the way, to his first question, um, you guys can't see the answers. It's amazing how many of you said yes. So know yeah. that you're in company. Exactly. And the challenge is, women, if you understand, and listen, some men do open up, so I'm not saying like no men do this, uh, but this is kind of the general theme of our society at least. When we do open up these things, ladies, how many of you feel so much better after you talk about these things? And when we don't talk about something, it festers, it manifests, and we start to wear these masks. We start to not express what we really feel, we don't have the emotional courage, we feel like we're not capable of, all these things. And again, I think the best leaders in business are the ones who actually can connect with their team in an authentic, loving way. And I'm not saying they need to reveal all their insecurities at all times to their hundreds of employees, but I'm saying being discerning in your communication and knowing when the right time is to open up and knowing when the right time is to, to show these things. Yes, there are gonna be certain times we're gonna need to put on a mask and just have it figured out and get through the day, and there are other times where it's okay to open up. Maybe it's in a private meeting. Maybe it's in a small group. Maybe it's whatever in your messaging. You know, when companies mess up in a big way, sometimes I see these super vulnerable emails or blog posts on big companies that say, we messed up. We made a huge mistake. Mm -hmm. Here's how it happened. We take full responsibility and we're so embarrassed and ashamed of ourselves. Or we're so... We got too egotistical and got caught up in this. We didn't think this would happen, and it happened, and we're so sorry. There's other companies that mask it. They don't say anything at all, or they try to make up for it for something else, as opposed to just communicating and saying, you know what? We feel horrible about this, and we want to make it better. Yeah. And I think that is the difference maker between great individuals, great leaders, great brands, companies, whatever you want to, want to call it, you know, the key to success in life, in my mind, again, we're going back to the beginning, is relationships. Yeah. And the key to successful relationships is that level of authenticity and vulnerability. So and let me ask you this, yeah, Lewis, because, you know, I, I think about the relationship with my wife, for example, and mm -hmm. I know that there are situations where I wear certain masks and uh, there is a disconnect there. Walk us through whether it's a man who's on here or a woman who's on here. How do we begin to identify when we're wearing the mask and what we do to break past that? Well, you can identify when, when something's not working. When something is not working or, or you feel angry, resentful, guarded, unforgiving, uh, and any of these emotions that come up. And if it continues, it's okay to feel these emotions. I, I still feel these emotions every day, right? I get frustrated, I get angry. Even though I wrote the book about this topic, it's not like I've reached you the mountaintops. Yeah, it's not like I've reached the mountaintops and I'm all of a sudden like have a sense of inner peace that is elevated, you know, every single moment. 
I go outside and someone cuts me off and it takes me a moment where I say, okay, breathe. This is a, not an attack on my life where I need to go and like flick this person off and make a whole scene. Just take a breath. I live in LA traffic and this is what's going to happen. Yeah. And what I come back to are two things. Does every action or decision or reaction that I have in my life support these two things? If it doesn't support these two things I'm going to share, then I come back to myself and I say, don't do it. So these two things are, does it support my purposeful vision for my life, and does it support my inner peace? If it doesn't support those two things, then I shouldn't do it. I shouldn't react and get mad about something because getting mad about someone that cuts me off takes me off the energy I need to have fuel for my vision for that day or in that moment or the next meeting or whatever and takes me away from my inner peace. I put that energy and aggression over on something else as opposed to feeling fulfilled, feeling joyful, feeling expressive in positive ways. And you build those up enough times throughout the day, throughout the weeks, throughout the months, the years, the decades. You're continually reactive towards people, towards things. It takes us away from your inner peace and your vision. And a man without inner peace and a man without a vision, in my mind, is a scary man. Mm. That's when you see someone who takes a bunch of guns and just says, I'm going to unleash it on the world and then unleash it on myself because I don't know what my purpose is and I'm not peaceful inside. So what do I do? I either drink it away, I drug it away, addiction away, some form of addiction. Yeah, eventually it's going to have to come out. It's going to manifest either by coming out with a heart attack on my body, a cancer on my body, or I'm going to explode and something is going to happen. This is why every single year we see domestic violence with men all the time. Specifically, we see this with athletes, you know, football, baseball. We see it all the time. Every season, another guy unleashes his anger on his wife in a, an elevator and watches the door slam on her, whatever it may be. You see this every year. And if we don't know how to communicate these things or just understand what the masks that we're wearing, and here's the key is understanding. And listen, women wear just as many masks as men. So I'm not saying that like men uh, are the challenge here. What I'm saying is that as our society, you understand this growing up in America, it was not okay for men, boys to cry. It was not okay based on what your peers said it was not okay you didn't fit in you didn't belong if you showed emotion if you cried if you were sensitive if you were compassionate the other boys would make fun of you so I'm not saying it's okay any of these things that happen I'm not saying it's okay that or there's an excuse for anything that that men do what I'm saying is first to be aware and understanding where the root comes from and for men to be able to continue to do the work on ourselves to say okay does me wearing this mask support my vision and my inner peace? Mm. Some of the times, here's the challenge. So it's tricky because it feels like it does. Well, I can, we, can we get specific with what some of the masks are? Because I think that'll make it more tangible for people. Because yes. I, I see what you're saying. Like sometimes it serves its purpose, and sometimes it contaminates your success. Yeah, exactly. So I'll just I'll just read the masks. <laughs> the stoic mask is one. The athlete mask, the material mask, sexual mask, aggressive mask. The Joker mask, the guy that always uses humor. Uh, the invincible mask, uh, the guy that takes all the risks, whether it be off for you know skydiving all the time or the risks in business or the risk whatever. 
the know-it-all mask, the guy who is constantly has the answers and is right no matter what, mm -hmm. uh, and the alpha mask. So for example, I use the athlete mask a lot. I was picked last on a, uh, a, a game when I was a, in elementary school. I was picked last for a, a sports team, and it was with our class. So it was a dodgeball game during recess. And there were two captains, two boy pickers, who picked one player at a time, our classmates. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to be one of the first guys picked. I'm like one of the better athletes. Of course, they're going to pick me. It gets down to me and the final boy. Now, this is like the super nerd-looking kid, right? And I'm like, there's no way they're going to pick this kid over me. They pick him, so now I'm the last boy picked on the team. Mm -hmm. Something interesting happens. After that, they pick a girl before they pick me. And then they pick another girl and another girl until it's down to me and the final girl. And then they pick the other girl first, and then I wasn't even picked. I was just by default the last player on the team. And all the boys started making fun of me and said, oh, you're less than a girl. And so, again, I'm not saying women are less than men or anything like that, but when you're a boy growing up, if you were called any name of weak or girly or this or that, it was looked down upon. You just have to understand the context so people, so women don't get mad or offended here. Um, that was the context. And so I told myself in that moment, I'm never going to get picked last again. And I put on the athlete mask and started training every day after school until my mom would call me in and train in the gym, playing basketball, anything I could with sports. And it worked. I got great results. I was all-state in high school in two sports. I was an All-American in two sports in college. I played professional football. I played in the USA handball team still. It got me the results I was looking for, but I was driven by a negative purpose, so it always left me feeling unfulfilled, and the results were never enough. I was always angrier when I got the results because I thought it would bring me some type of peace, but it didn't. And so this is a challenge. These masks get us big results in our life and that's why men continue to wear them the sexual mask will get you more women more girlfriends more sexual partners the material mask will help you make more money the joker mask will bring you more friends because you'll make people laugh all these things bring us big benefits but if we don't know how to take them off in moments when we need to to actually connect with people if it's a 24 7 mask then it's going to be a lonely world inside. And that's what we're talking about. So here's where I think the, the concepts are very aligned for everybody. I know one of the biggest struggles you have is this idea of counterbalancing. You know, how do you thrive in work and then shut it down and actually be present with your very family and your personal life? Who here very struggles with that? I still do. I'm yeah. hearing you say, Lewis, it's the exact same thing. We all have these alter egos, these masks, these personalities that serve their purpose. And if you don't learn how to counterbalance them, it ends up undermining. Absolutely. It's very, I mean, a perfect example is a football player. I don't know if you played sports or not, but when I played football, for three hours of the day, you are conditioned to kill, essentially. You're conditioned to legally hurt the other person in front of you. And the language, the verbiage, the mentality, the energy is all about don't show weakness, don't feel pain, 
don't do these things. Don't cry about this. Get your ass back up. Let's go and beat the other person. At all costs, we need to win. Right. So when that is your mentality, it's hard to just be like, all right, I'm going to flip it off and like be this sensitive, caring, like giving person. And <laughs> you still when, strike me as a cuddler, though, Lewis. Oh, I'm a big cuddler, yeah. But I'm just saying for like for guys, and that's why I just want women to be aware of. Once you can identify the mask that your father wears, your husband, your sons, your brothers, your coworkers, the first thing for women is to identify the masks that the men in their life are wearing. And if you go through the book ever, you'll see like all the different uh, things that'll show up for each mask. So you can be like, oh, yep, that's my boyfriend, that's my husband, that's my father. And now you'll be able to understand why they're coming from that place. The thing, the insecurity, the fears, of why they may be coming from that place in these different situations. When you have that awareness, you can connect with them in a way that resonates with them to show people that it's safe to be themselves. They can take off the mask and start connecting, and that's what it's all about. So I'm, I'm interested because I want to make this applicable for the people who are here. Lewis mentioned if you're ever in a per point in your life, something's not working, it's likely because you're wearing a mask and you're not figuring out how to take it off. I'm curious, and I'd love you guys to share in the, in the questions box with us, where's that one area? where this is happening for you, where you know there's a mask that you're wearing and you're not sure how to take it off because then we can dive down a little bit of a rabbit hole and figure out what that might look like so you walk away with some tangible actions. Yeah, it might be the area where you feel like you struggle with the most, the area where you feel like you struggle inside with the most, that you're most afraid of looking at uh, the area of your life. It could be a specific relationship. It could be intimate relationships. It could be business. It could be health. Um, could be career, could be any of these things. But where in your life do you feel like you struggle the most internally? So Lisa said the know-it-all mask. Interesting. In so my can you guys give us some, some specific context as to what that looks like when you struggle to take it off? Because we can have a conversation around it, and I think that mm -hmm. might be really interesting. And while those are coming... Yeah, yeah, relationship with my dad, says Sarah, relationship with my kids. You know, it's challenging because... You know, all these instances are going to be unique and different for people. Mm -hmm. And it usually the challenge is something we've never addressed with ourselves or something that's just uncomfortable for us. There's still things – I still don't like having these conversations with my girlfriend from time to time about things that we're just – we're different on, you know, mm -hmm. that she's upset about or I'm hurt with or we're – you just have differences about – I like to just not talk about it sometimes. You know, it's that's my mask. It's like I come to sort of act like everything's okay. Mm. And because I don't sometimes have the emotional courage to express how I truly feel or I don't have the courage to really say what I want because I know it's going to hurt her or someone else in business. And by not having that courage, I put on the mask and then I hurt inside. I start to feel like heart palpitations. I start to feel anxiety, stress. I start to feel like it manifests in other ways. And that's not effective. So again, I'm not saying that it's right or wrong, good or bad. I want to know is what is going to uh, bring you that inner peace and allow you to speak your truth in anything. Again, intimate relationships, business, career, so that you don't manifest this wall, this barrier, this mask, and you can be your truer self. It's challenging. Again, I'm facing it still constantly in different relationships in my life, and I've been doing the work for years, right? It's not like it's this, uh, you know, I'm 34 and 30 years of conditioning is hard to just like flip the switch and be like, okay, I'm going to be able to do this and handle it at any moment. 
you know, these things take time and practice. Well, I, lo- I love what you said there because with the people that we've been working with in, in our community, which is called Living Your One Thing, we've realized that they have decades of habits that have oh, been yeah. ingrained, most of them not consciously chosen, and they are imposing a ceiling of achievement. And what it takes to actually flip the switch and start building that habit is getting clarity on the activity. And what I'd like to ask each one of you, because you know, we, we saw all your answers, they're, they're all over the place, which is amazing. Here's my question. I'd love you to share this answer with us. What's the one thing you're not doing that if you started doing immediately would actually allow you to take that mask off, mm-hmm. would actually allow you to break through on that relationship? Sometimes we often know the answer. Nobody's just ever asked us the question. So we're asking you, what is that one thing that you are not doing that if you started doing immediately would transform that relationship? Share that with us. Mm-hmm. Lisa says being fully present when at home. So Lisa, my question for you, I'm going deeper here. What's the one thing you can do to be present at home? What's that? Linda says trusting. Linda, what's the one thing you can do to be more trusting? Mm-hmm. You're going to notice a trend here, folks. You're going to give me a vague answer. We're going to drill for the specific measurable action. Accepting help, says Claire. So Claire, what's the one thing you can do to accept help? What you realize is, is if you go deep enough, if you get clear enough on what the activity is, the specific measurable action you can do, and you go on a 66-day challenge to making that thing a habit, you fast forward about 10 weeks, you don't have to think about it anymore. It just like you breathe air, you do that one thing, and your relationship transforms. Lewis, my question for you is, what's the mask you still struggle to take off? Oh, man, all of them. But um, if, I'm going, <laughs> if I'm being specific... I mean, I've worn them all, and, and in my book, I, ta- I use myself as an example of how I've essentially failed as a man in every instance of life throughout my entire mm. life. I would say now I still get – I just want to be right. I still want to be right, and I have this, like, winner's mentality of, like, I want to be right, and I want to win. And um, it's one thing to, be, to win in sports and business, things like that, when you can create a win-win, right? You can still create a win-win. You can still be a positive, like, sport. You don't have to be, like, this negative winner, things like that. But sometimes when I feel attacked in any way or when I feel taken advantage of, and this goes back to my childhood, you know, I've openly talked about this many times, but I was sexually abused by a man that I didn't know when I was five. I open up about it in the book. I talk about it all over the place. And... A lot of other things that happened just growing up where I was like, okay, I need to get so big, so strong, so like skilled so no one's going to ever take advantage of me again. Like, it even happened this morning. It's so funny. Like an hour ago, literally someone – I'll give you context. Someone agreed uh, to, to pay me my speaker's fee to come and speak at a conference a few months back. Then – put up my photo and name as the headline speaker right right on the top of the site sold tickets for like a month and a half then said oh sorry i can't pay you and so sold all these tickets and i was like okay well you need to make up for it. you need to pay something and you need to take my name off and you need to make an apology because all these people are messaging me that they're going to this event because they bought tickets to come hear me speak so I'm like, you're using me in my name and likeness, and you're not paying me, and this is really messed up. But I was trying to come about it in a calm way. Now it's been a couple months, and I emailed again this morning. I was like, 
I feel like you're scamming me. I feel like this, this, and this. And she had written back, like, apologizing, and I just kind of went there. And I was just like, I don't want to hear anything. Like, you know, I was just, like, going back. And my business partner is like, this is not good. Like, you can't do these things. You can't reply. Just, like, whatever you want to say and, like, make these threats or whatever it is you're doing, like, you can't do that. She can just copy and paste that and post it or use this or whatever. It's not like I was swearing at her, but I was just like, you know, a quick reaction. Whether I'm justified or not, it doesn't support my inner peace and it doesn't support a purposeful vision. Mm. And I know that. Like, that reaction, maybe it felt good in the moment to, like, be right and, like, win and, like, whatever or get back at what someone did to me but it doesn't support my vision or my inner peace because it just doesn't. And so for me, I'm aware of that. I'm very aware. And I remind myself when I focus on my intention for the day. Uh, but sometimes I'm just, you know, I'm a human being as well and I make mistakes and it's like, okay, letting it go and trying to be better the next day. And that's what I focus on. And folks, we'd love to make this as interactive with you as possible. So I've got my assistant over here. If you want to type questions in to ask Lewis, we can we can absolutely share those. And um, as those come in, Lewis, I'll ask you another one. When you think about situations like that, I mean, you've been on this road to mastery of identifying the mask and being able to take it off. I love your model for if it doesn't support the pur the the purpose and if it doesn't support inner peace, it's a no go. Yep. What's the biggest failure you've had? living this that most of us can learn from if we choose to accept going on this journey living with the masks you mean once you oh. got clarity on the fact that we have masks and you started purposefully saying yes i need to take them off what's the biggest mistake or failure you've had that we can learn from i think for me it comes down to having the uh, the courage the emotional courage to say the challenging things when i know i need to say them specifically in intimate relationships or like you know, intimate business partnerships because when people have two different visions or two different backgrounds, whether in business or, or intimate, things may get messy every now and then. They may get frustrating or maybe like some tension. And I don't enjoy creating tension. I don't think anyone likes going through tension in relationships. And when I lack the emotional courage to just say the things I need to say, or have the tough conversations, intimate or business, that manifests in a negative way in my body or my re my results or tightness over time until I finally say it. And I'm just like, why don't I just say these things when they come up? Why mm -hmm. do I wait? And I think that's my biggest challenge still and in, in failure would be to have more emotional courage of expressing myself. Where do you think saying, that fear comes from? needing to please people, needing to, you know, again, I was always in this special needs classes growing up, so I never had any friends. I mean, being picked last, being in, a, like, the special needs class with kids in wheelchairs and not being, like, accepted as a normal person or whatever as a kid growing up, not saying that people in wheelchairs aren't normal people, but that was the perception, and just being made fun of constantly and feeling very stupid and insecure, which is, like, all I wanted to do was fit in. And I think most of us want to belong to a community. We want to belong to our family, friends, a community. And if we don't fit in, that's when we start to wear masks to say, okay, I'm going to do the things that you want me to do so you accept me. And, again, it works. We get results. So we keep doing those things to please other people as opposed to be who we truly are. 
I think it's that, yeah, people pleasing, you know, wanting people to be, to like me, people to, you know, not hurt people, not offend I've, people. I've got a question for the audience. How many of you still today are wearing a mask where you are trying to please all the people in your professional environment? Mm. You are saying yes to them because you want to be a team player. You think they'll get mad at you if you say no. You think they won't understand. You tell yourself you can't say no because they're your boss. You say yes to them and you continue to actually say no to yourself, to your own ability to get your true priorities accomplished. And in fact, you're actually solidifying the fact that you will never achieve extraordinary results as a result. How many of you are doing that right now? A lot of yes in the questions box. Sure. Yep. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a reason we created this little thing for the people in Living Your One Thing, just to remind themselves that they say yes to themselves first. There are certain things that you remind yourself every th single day that you do think possibilities. You are clear about your purpose. You are say yes. You do say yes to yourself first. You think and act in order of priority because you're productive. The question is, where are you telling yourself the story that you can't do these things when in fact nobody's ever told you that? It's on you. We have any questions? Oh, we sure do. So how do you support your loved ones when you recognize that they're struggling to be vulnerable? They've got that mask on. How do you support them in taking it off? The most powerful way to get others to take it off is for you to take it off first and to lead with vulnerability. Yeah. So when you're just like, why don't you tell me what's going on? Tell me, tell me, tell me. Come on, it's okay. It's okay to open up. That doesn't work you're for You're being somebody. the joker. You're being yeah. the no-no. Yeah, that's going to work really well. It doesn't work. Take off your mask. Take off your armor. Like, open up. I wish you'd open up more. That doesn't work. What works is it is leading with vulnerability and opening up first and talking about something. When I opened up about being sexually abused four years ago, I, hadn't, I didn't tell anyone for 25 years. And I was terrified to let my friends, my family know because I was like, what if I don't fit in anymore? What if they don't accept me? What if they judge me? What if they make fun of me? What if, what if all this? They think I'm like used and abused, all these things. And it was the most terrifying thing to start talking about it. But when I started opening up more and more, people were just like, it was amazing the things they would share with me in return. They would open up about all their insecurities, about things they'd been through in their past, whether it be sexual abuse or something else. They would just share all this stuff. I was like, I had no clue this happened to you. I had no clue you feel this way as well. I had no clue this and this. Now, not everyone just like opened up automatically, but a lot of people did. And they were like, wow, I fully like trust you and get you now that if you're willing to open up. And if they're still not willing to open up with you, because a lot of women may be like, well, I'm emotional and crying all the time and my husband never shows a response. It's encouraging, it's, it's testing different things. Every, every person is different. It's encouraging them and acknowledging them for the good they do do when they do open up or are courageous with their vulnerability or are you know looking you in the eyes for five seconds and saying something that's challenging for them. Because we've been conditioned as men, not ever all men, but a, a lot of men to, that it's not cool to do that that it's not manly to do that. So you just got to encourage, acknowledge for the good that the man is doing and not constantly say, well, I wish you'd do more than this. I wish you'd open up more. How come when I'm crying, you never cry? How come when this happens, you're never there? That's not going to inspire and acknowledge them 
yeah. to want to do more good. So continue to acknowledge. I think I think the key word you said there is inspire. And I yeah. remember a mentor shared me with me this, um, and this applies whether we're talking about masks, living your one thing, whatever. You can only control one thing, and that's you. And all you can do is show up as the highest version of yourself until they begin to notice the extraordinary results that you're getting. And in that moment, you have inspired them because then you have a different audience, an audience that's actually interested. Right. So I, I love how you just held the mirror up, Lewis, because yep. that's it, baby. It's you. It's that's you. It. That's it, man. Have you found a way to overcome your vulnerability with others because um, deep down it's a trust issue? You, you don't trust people enough to be vulnerable with them. Yeah. I'll just speak from my personal example. I think for me, I needed to tell my friends, my family, the things that I needed to tell them. And my, my insecurities, my vulnerabilities. And really quickly, I found out who I wanted to stay in relationship with. Isn't that interesting? You know what I mean? If they were like discounted it or they weren't open to go there, it's not like I was just like, all right, get out of my life forever. But you just start to like notice if people are going to shift with you or not. And so I'm always evaluating relationships. And just because someone was there for me for a few months or a year and they stopped being there for me for a decade doesn't mean I should give them all of my attention um, and time and energy and like constantly putting work in if they're going to try to pull me down or something. It's got to be mutually supporting, I think, in different ways. So I think uh, some people may not be receptive and it's okay. You just, you know, you, you'll learn if they trust you or not. But I think you get to continue to have a deeper conversation with them. Don't just say, oh, they didn't, they didn't open up back to me, so I guess they don't care about me. Ask them the questions like, I want to be able to have more honest and real conversations with you. Are you open to this? Are you mm -hmm. open to talking about this? I'd love to express more about what I'm going through in these times and not feel judgment from you. And I want to be able to be that for you as well. That if anything you want to talk about, I just want to let you know I'm here for you and uh, I'm never going to judge you or make you wrong. And I think yeah. that's a fear for a lot of people is like, well, judging or making me wrong. So it's, it's, it's you continuing to go deeper in the conversation with that relationship because they may not be ready either. So it's going to take some time. Yeah, well, we were talking, and as Jay and I were talking about this the other week as we were preparing for our goal-setting retreat, there's a section we're doing on relationships. And all of you know the number one lie of productivity, the lie that everything matters equally. You know there's a handful of activities that will produce the vast majority of your results. Yep. Your, your relationships are the same thing. And what's interesting is for whatever reason, we treat every relationship like it matters equally and like it needs to be nurtured. And what Lewis is saying is as soon as you just plaster on the billboard, this is who I am, you start to figure out who the people are who resonate with that. The 20% that are going to generate 80% of the meaningfulness in your relationships. That's it. The fulfillment, the fun, the joy, the adventure, all that. Don't treat them like they matter equally, people. Say this is who no, I am. Who's yeah, listen, listen, every human matters. But... We don't have time to hang out with every human equally. You know I mean? <laughs> Seven billion Correct. people or whatever it is, it's like we pick and choose who we want to spend time with. doesn't mean we can't still be giving in our nature towards all humans. You know, mm -hmm. When I walk down the street, I try to smile, high-five people. Like I, I try to like bring light to people when I know I may only have two seconds with them for my whole life. When I'm at a restaurant, I try to really engage the servers, like people who are there working, and make it fun. Because that's what I want to, I'm going to bring that energy in my life, but it doesn't mean I'm going to have all my time in the world for them as well. So 
That's right. Great question. Thank you. Can you can you think of a time when taking off the mask really backfired on you, and how can you assess moving forward when it's a good time to take it off? I think you get to be discerning of when to take it off. Again, if you're at a, I don't know, a company meeting and you just blurt out like all your insecurities, like it may not make, <laughs> you know what I mean? It may not make sense if you're like, I just want to say something really quick and like I need to get this off my chest. Like you've got to be discerning of the moments, of timing, of like all sorts of things, of who's in the room, the setting, like maybe that would be very effective if people, if someone's like, okay, I need someone to be real right now. Does anyone have anything real to say? And then you do that. Like be aware uh, and discerning. But for me, I don't feel like there's ever been a moment where taking off the mask has been like a bad thing or I can't remember the exact question or, or backfired. Right. Because even if it didn't, the person didn't connect with me or people didn't understand it, at least I knew I was speaking my truth or being myself as opposed to hiding behind something. And if people didn't get it, then it's not about, you know, me, it's about them. Whoever. And I was able David, my question for you is, if you were to do it 10 times, how many times do you think it goes well versus backfires? Yeah. And what's the cost if you don't take the exactly. shot? Exactly. Exactly. Right? So, exactly. great question. Thank you. Ooh, good. Um, how as a mom can I encourage my 13-year-old son? Well, here's a challenge because like a teen and young boys face, I think, a lot of pressure. I mean, listen, young girls do too in their own way, but young boys are trying to like break through into manhood and be accepted from like the ages of like seven, right? Like other boys are like, what are you, a little girl? Are you a little crybaby? Are you a little weak, this, this, calling you all sorts of different names? Are you whatever it may be? Women are being called, oh, are you a little girl? You know, it's like, I mean. Yes, I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm a girl, right? It's like. But as a man, as a boy, it's like looked down upon if you're not a man or you're not becoming a man. Again, I'm not, I'm not trying to offend women here. This is the talk and the lingo from what I remember growing up. And the challenge is, you know, if a mother's like, you know, son, today I want you to go to school and be compassionate and be giving and be caring towards the other classmates uh, at your school and really like you know, stand up to people if they're bullying and this and this and, like, be a force for good. And the 13-year-old goes, okay, I'm going to go do that today. I'm going to be giving, and he goes into this class, and there's a couple kids who are bullying someone else. And he says, hey, don't do that. Let's have more compassion. Let's not judge people. Let's lift people up. And then the bullies turn their attention to that kid and shove him in the locker and, and do whatever it is to him because of their masks. Then the guy's like, well, I don't want that to ever happen again. I don't want to be made fun of in front of the whole school again. I don't want this to happen. So maybe I shouldn't be compassionate. Maybe I shouldn't be giving. Maybe I should be more like them so I can fit in. Again, we do things to fit in. And it's challenging to go through that type of pain. So I think continually supporting them that, hey, this is a challenging time. The teen years are very challenging, and other boys are going to be mean and creating awareness around their masks as all teens have. And saying, listen, I want to continue to encourage you to do this because show them like it's not okay to be a bully. It's not okay to be this way. It's not okay to be that. And you may be ridiculed for it. You may be made fun of for it. But I think the relationship with a mother to a son is very powerful and important. And the more you show up and look your son in the eyes 
and connect with him and you're there and you're giving and loving and you're showing a great example, the more he will continue to be that to his other guy friends, girlfriends, teachers, everything. Yeah, well, you just said something. Um, go back and listen to episode 68 of the One Thing podcast. We interviewed Dr. Susan David who wrote a book called Emotional Agility. And there were two things that struck me about what you were talking about, Lewis. Was The first was uh, she talked about the importance of in, in Zulu, there's a word for I see you, meaning just like to know that they are there, that you hear them, that you are present. Sometimes more than anything, the mask like that, that may be it, is that they're trying to get the attention, that they're not being seen or heard. And the second was anytime you feel an emotion that's negative, um, there's an underlying value that's being violated. And to have the conversation, not about the mask that's being displayed, but what's that underlying value that's being violated and to be able to talk about that and to see them, do you think that would make the difference? I don't know. But episode right. 68, she goes into that big time. Great question. Thank you. Um, folks, we got about five more minutes, so please submit those final questions and then we will wrap it up. How do you differentiate between a... Um, a little pet peeve and you may be overreacting versus something that's a serious issue? I think it's just a, a level of mindfulness every day. You know, in the mornings, I f I'm, I'm intentional about how I want to show up and the reactions I have. You know, certain things, if someone cuts me off, it's not the end of the world. You know what I mean? But sometimes I react like it is. So at the end of the day, I evaluate and say, was that necessary? Or was that really not that big of a deal? And it's, it's just being aware, being mindful, and evaluating these things every single day. Why was I so reactive for four hours? Why was I passive-aggressive all day? Why did I hold on to this? Is it really the end of the world or an issue I need to address? Or am I just offended because I'm hurt about something else? And I think that's what we get to be aware of. So what I'm hearing you say, it's really more than anything, it's developing the habit of reflecting. Absolutely. Yes. And if you do that enough, I think you're going to figure out the difference between is this pet peeve or no, is there yeah. some. Exactly. Ah! Yeah. Look at that. Again, does it support my vision and my inner peace for this pet peeve or not? I love and, that. and if it continues to show up for me, what's the one thing I can do to address it so that it doesn't show up anymore? Somebody should write a book about that. Right? Exactly. I feel like it might do half decent. What do you say to those people who they have a significant other that just doesn't really want doesn't them, yeah. want to? I think, I think, listen, I'm not a therapist or a psychologist, so I can only speak from example, personal example, to test a lot of things mm -hmm. and, and also ask the questions and say, my request is that we connect for a few minutes a day and talk about a few things. Do you honor this request or not? And if someone's not willing to honor a request, then you have a decision. Okay, well... Is this something I can deal with or not? But I think asking requests, and again, not making them wrong for open for not opening up, but mm -hmm. saying how it means what it means to you for opening up. And is there anything we could do? Maybe it's once a week, maybe it's once a month. We spend 30 minutes together, and that's when we we open up together. Because maybe just someone doesn't want to open up every day like you do, you know. So don't make them wrong as well, but find the win-win in every situation. What I love about what you said there is when you talk about that why behind your, it's the purpose, right? Which as we know, underlies everything, right? Do they understand the purpose in you wanting them exactly. to take that off? Have you communicated that effectively? And this is holding up the mirror to yourself. Are you showing up as the highest version, communicating effectively so it's not your intent, but it's the way it's received? 
Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, well, and Lewis. some of these things, some of these things, maybe your your husband doesn't want to open up about all these things with you. Maybe there's a time and a place for that, and maybe also you shouldn't. I don't think you should expect one person to give you everything you need. Yeah, just my personal opinion. Cause it's a lot of pressure. So, do you have some other girlfriends, family, other friends that you could talk to about certain things as well? You know, maybe he wants to open up to other people about stuff more and differently. I mean, I don't know. It all depends. Yeah, I love it. Well, folks, uh, you can get your copy of The Mask of Masculinity on Amazon. I know a lot of you are audio fans. So if you go to audible.com slash one thing, for those of you who are not Audible customers, you can get a, uh, a free trial and get the copy of the book for free. Uh, I would suggest going ahead and doing that. And um, Lewis, man, I, re I really appreciate you. In terms of compelling people to take action, if they could just do one thing, walking away from our time together, what would that one thing be that would allow them to start this journey? I would say ask yourself a question. On a scale of 1 to 10 in my life right now, where am I at? If you put in your career or business, your intimate relationships, and your health, on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being those are all at the highest levels possible. Where are you at for those three things? Mm. Are you a five, six, nine? Again, your career, your business, slash finances, yeah. your intimate relationships with your partners, your family members, your closest friends, and then your personal health, your health, physical health, emotional well-being, things like that. Scale of one there to it ten. Is, folks. Take Type the screenshot. Yeah, is that it? Type, give yourself a, a rating right now and post it in. You know, post it in right now. You can just do whatever, seven, eight, nine, you know, or seven, six, ten, whatever it is, and, and post those in. And for you to evaluate for yourself what's missing. Yeah. And then I would ask yourself what's the one thing you can do to improve one of those areas. Don't try to improve everything all at the same time. Like, what's the one thing right now, this week, that I could do to improve that, to get it up one more notch, one more number, mm. and then maintain it, and then do the next one the next week? So what I'm hearing you say, and folks, I would just encourage you to take a screenshot of this, or for the people watching this later, you can pause, but ask yourself, scale of 1 to 10, how am I doing in spirituality, physical health? Go mm. all the way around the circle, and then ask the question, if I could only focus on one, which is the one, and what's the one thing I can do to boost it this week? Mm-hmm. Love it. All right, folks. Well, Lewis Howes, really appreciate you, my man. Folks, uh, this will also be released on the One Thing podcast, which you can get anywhere podcasts are displayed. Um, we'll send an email out within 24 hours with the link. It'll also be posted on the onething.com slash webinars. And finally, if you want accountability, living your one thing, just go to the onething.com slash membership and we will go from there. So thank you very much, Lewis. I really appreciate your time, man. Thanks, brother. Appreciate you guys. Well, there you have it, our conversation with Lewis Howes, part of our One Thing webinar series, which you can learn more at theonething.com slash webinar. What I love about what Lewis says, the thing that I'm really walking away with that I noticed was he had a model, a model in all these different areas of his life. He asked the question, does it support my purposeful vision for my life? 
no matter what he's doing, if he gets frustrated, if he gets cut off in traffic, does feeling this way, thinking this way, showing up in the world this way, does it support my purposeful vision for my life? And then he asks the question, does it support my inner peace? If the answer is no to either of those, it's a no-go. You gotta make a shift. You recognize there's a mask you're wearing and you have to take it off. Folks, how many of you go throughout the day where there is at least one thing that doesn't support your purposeful vision for your life or it doesn't support your inner peace? Happened to me this morning driving into the office. I recognized I wasn't Something was going on where I was feeling anxious. I was feeling stressed and it was there was no reason for it. I was generating it myself. And I thought of something like, does this support my inner peace right now? No, it doesn't. Oh, interesting. Maybe pull over and meditate and get yourself centered, which I did. And now I'm happy as a clam. Out of everything you heard today, folks, what's the one thing you can do? Such that by doing it, everything else will be easier or unnecessary. I think one of the biggest mistakes we can make moving forward is to um, go to that person that we're in relationship and be like, you're wearing a mask and pointing the finger at them, which by the way, if you go ahead and do this for me, um, point your finger out, like extend your arm and point like you're pointing at somebody and you see how your thumb is clasping your, your middle finger and you realize that when you're pointing one finger out, you actually have three fingers pointing right back at you. This is not about them. If you want to empower others to live this, you have to first and foremost show up as the example. How can you be the example of what it looks like to be conscious when you're wearing a certain mask? How can you be the example of what it looks like to take the mask off and to be vulnerable? Take it through and then take action. If you'd like to support Lewis by getting a copy of The Mask of Masculinity, you can go to Amazon or if you like it through Audible, go to audible.com slash one thing and you can get your copy there. In the next episode, we are going to have an amazing conversation uh, with a man who wrote another best-selling book called Extreme Ownership. Not only was this gentleman a Navy SEAL, he was the commander of a SEAL team. If you've seen the movie American Sniper, the American Sniper was under this man's leadership. And we are going to talk about what it looks like to stop pointing the finger and to start looking in the mirror when it comes to how you are showing up as a leader. It's one of the most powerful conversations we've had in a long time. And I know you will really enjoy this conversation in the next episode. To make sure you don't miss that episode, go ahead and click that subscribe button so when the episode is released, it'll automatically be downloaded to your device and you will be ready to go. And thank you to those of you who have left us a rating and review recently. It really means the world to us. Specifically, I want to thank Cody32, Kevin Monroe, Amy Blair, Evan Karadimov, and The One Thing VT for leaving us your reviews. We really appreciate it. And um, folks, if you haven't done it yet, please leave us one. You can tell we read these and they really do mean so much. Thank you. And we'll see you in the next episode. 